Welcome to Ask Amanda About Marketing, a podcast in which I, Amanda, or occasionally a special guest, answers your questions about inbound marketing. Straightforward, right? If you want to submit a question, email me at amanda at frac.tl. I'd love to hear from you. Let's get right to it. Joining me this week is AJ Wilcox, who is the founder of B2Linked and a LinkedIn ads expert. Welcome to the show, AJ. Thanks so much, Amanda. I'm super excited to be here. I'm excited to have you here. So I met AJ at a summit last week and heard him give a talk about optimizing LinkedIn ads and getting a lot of success through them. And I was just telling him before we started recording that I personally don't have a lot of experience in this area. So I'm I'm pretty jazzed just to shoot questions at him for 30 minutes and just kind of pick his brain in general. But uh, before we jump into that, AJ, do you want to talk a little bit about your background? Yeah, sure thing. So I live in the state of Utah, uh, with live with my wife and four kids. Um, I started out as an SEO guy about 11 years ago and really enjoyed it um, for about six years. But then I, I kind of stumbled onto, uh, I ended up getting recruited into a local highly funded tech startup where I thought I was just going to go in and kill it on SEO. And I ended up instead killing it with LinkedIn ads. And every time I would go and Google like, hey, how do you do this on LinkedIn ads? How do you do that? Uh, there was never any information out there. It was like Google results equals zero. And so I kept thinking like, hey, maybe this should be me out there doing this. Um, so that started the company. Uh, I started B2Linked about three and a half years ago. And uh, you know, we're a small team. There are only about six of us, but we're we're small and mighty <laughs> and uh, we're official partners of LinkedIn and, um, you know, get to run some of the world's largest accounts and all that good stuff. Yeah, that's fantastic. I think everyone's dream is to find that niche where no one's explored before. So <laughs> congrats <laughs> to you on finding that. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> so I, I've worked for some smaller companies before who they don't even have LinkedIn accounts yet. Right. Like some brands haven't even traversed the whole social sphere. So why why should a brand even get a LinkedIn account in the first place? Well, here's the interesting thing is what I've found is most companies over about 50 employees tend to have these LinkedIn company pages set up and ones that haven't gotten to that size haven't. And I think it's just this this element of your presence online. And it's one of those boxes that companies tick. And and I wouldn't even necessarily recommend it if you, if you haven't created a, a company page yet. Um, people on LinkedIn want to hear from people and they don't want to hear from brands. And so it, it's not like if you share something from your company page that it's going to be especially powerful and get tons of views anyway. No, that's going to be all the employees of the company who get that, that reaction. So I wouldn't even like advocate for it and say, drop everything now and go create a company page. I just don't even think it's all that necessary, but realistically it only takes about six minutes to do. So, you know, if you're ticking the boxes for where we want to be found online and what, where, what we own when people search our brand, sure. Might as well create one. Right. No, that that's a great point because even when we're spreading content from Fractal, it's always the people who are sharing it on their profiles, not through the Fractal account. So when we're talking about people kind of representing their brands and wanting to start engaging with audiences, who does it make sense? Like, should anybody at the company start to get really involved in LinkedIn? Are there key players you think are going to have more of an influence there? Or like, who do you encourage to, to be active on LinkedIn? Well, the nice thing about LinkedIn right now is it is by far the easiest network to go viral on. 
So from a company perspective, if you have employees who are sharing the the company message or even sharing interesting stuff, and then other people are going to say, hey, who is this girl? Who is this guy who's sharing this great stuff? Of course, it's going to lend credibility to your brand. So I think all companies really should encourage their their employees to be on and share and be active. Um, what I will say is from from the employee's standpoint, I think it's really good for them to start building their personal brand and building their network. So I just don't see any downside to uh, having companies both encourage their employees and you know being active themselves. It's been kind of incredible to see how LinkedIn has evolved in the last couple of years. And maybe it's just from my perspective, but a couple of years ago, I was only logging into LinkedIn every now and then. And now it's just a major publishing platform People are sharing status updates all the time that are getting a ton of engagement. And it really seems to be a much more active community-based site. Have you noticed the same? Like, what do you think about that evolution? Yeah, you know, I've actually been wondering if it's just me too, because uh, when you run a company that all you do is, is you know, talk about LinkedIn all day long, of course, the people who come to me are the ones who are going to have questions about LinkedIn and, and they're going to, you know, uh, so I'm seeing all these people come to us and say, hey, we're killing it on organic LinkedIn. Now we want to start trying ads. Um, so I've been wondering if it was just me, but if you're seeing it too, I think it's uh, a lot of people are, are, you know, must be experiencing it. Which must make the ads more effective. It seems like people are, are organically coming to the site much more often. And, yeah. Uh, that's a, that's a, seems like a pretty natural bridge then from organic to paid. It is. It's really nice. And then plus, as people spend more and more time on LinkedIn, they come and they open up additional ad inventory to support them, which brings costs down for my advertisers. So, you know, I'm, I'm cheering people on. Yes, please come <laughs> and like read your newsfeed every day. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you gave a talk about ads at the summit. I'm sure you've given many other talks and I saw that you've been on other podcasts what do you think, like, what do people ask you the most? What are some of the bigger misconceptions or the bigger questions people have around LinkedIn ads? I think the biggest challenge that everyone faces when they when they go to try it out, we end up talking to a lot of people who LinkedIn ads is their first foray into social advertising. Okay. And so there are probably plenty of people out there who are experiencing this you know, stepping into Facebook ads for the first time, but we get a lot of people who are just fresh. Maybe they've done search, but they haven't done social yet. And so the biggest challenge that they all face is understanding that if you put up an ad that just says, here's the product or service we offer, click here to talk to our high pressure sales rep, <laughs> no one is going to click on that ad. Right. And and if no one clicks on your ad, it means your quality or relevancy score falls. And so you either get charged up the wazoo or your, uh, your ads just shut off. And so it's just not a sustainable strategy. And so what I coach people through is you've got to have a piece of content, something that's valuable enough for someone to want to exchange their email address for. And then you use that to start the conversation and that's gotta be how it is in social. Uh, and you know, obviously that's, uh, it's difficult for someone who hasn't done any social media before to say, okay, not only do I have to be responsible for these ads, but I also have to create a landing page and go and create some content and then figure out this whole nurture funnel strategy after someone fills out the form, you know, how do we contact them and, and what's that process like? So I would say that's the biggest challenge. It's funny because I guess people, some people might still think of an advertisement as just like really literally just that image and being directed to that link and that's it. And then you're done. Whereas like you're saying, especially on social, people are expecting more <laughs> when they click on something than just to be directed to your brand page. And that like the importance that content is playing overall has been huge. But if 
like you're saying, it's kind of a, a large responsibility to have the LinkedIn ads, but also create the content that's worth clicking on. You know, what about companies that have, don't have like a ton of resources? What do you think they should do in that situation? I mean, anytime that you're talking about having limited resources, uh, I think First of all, there's no risk in starting out advertising with a, a bottom of the funnel type of offer. So if you've got something, you're like, hey, we don't have any content, but we're going to try putting together a uh, an ad that just says, here's our service, contact us if you're interested. Because you only pay when someone clicks, there's just no risk there in trying that out. Um, so I say go for it. I mean, as long as you're not paying an ad agency like us to to do that for you and you've got a management fee associated, like there's just no risk. Um, but eventually what you're going to find is this need for content. And so you can really bootstrap it. You can have one of your employees write it. You can have an in-house designer make it pretty. Uh, you can have your, your web designer put together a simple page and just run a test. Uh, I will say that LinkedIn ads tend to be pretty expensive um, compared to things like Facebook ads or, or even Twitter ads. And so because of that, I might suggest, even though the targeting is so much better on LinkedIn than it is on Facebook, I might suggest on a limited budget, try it out on Facebook first. Um, try running with just the limited targeting to like interests and seniorities in your, in the industry that you're trying to reach. You know that you're, it's not going to be reaching a hundred percent of, of the best people, but you can sure test on 80 cent clicks instead of, you know, $6 clicks. Yeah. So do you find that if you are able to test on another social site that, I mean, there are different audiences and different platforms, but that some of those takeaways like, oh, you know, this ad's working pretty well on Facebook, this one's not, that you can take those learnings and apply them to LinkedIn pretty successfully? Yeah. All the social platforms, I mean, the traffic tends to react the same and it's all around the targeting. If you can find a CEO on one network, it's still the same CEO when he's checking his Facebook uh, or you know when he's on Twitter or when he's in his email. So however you can reach someone, I'm a huge fan of reaching them there. That's a great point. So I don't know how easy this will be to verbalize because at the summit, you had that great graphic showing the pros and cons of all of the social ad options, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Would you be able to walk through kind of the reasoning behind going with one over the other? Oh, I absolutely can. Yeah. So um, I think you have to start out with Facebook and understanding that they do have some pretty good business to business targeting. And, and I should preface this by saying LinkedIn is really good for business to business because the targeting is all around job titles and seniority and what company someone works for and you know what industry they're in. Um, so that's where I would suggest using it. So Facebook, if you are in B2B, you can use some of the same targeting. So they give you things like job title, seniority, company size, company name. The really big problem here is that the vast majority of Facebook advertisers are not actually putting their professional information into their profile. And so you, know, you might use Facebook's targeting to try to reach them, and you might only reach 5% of the audience, but it's gonna be really inexpensive, and if that audience is big enough, you can probably drive enough traffic to learn something. Um, then you have Twitter who the targeting is quite a bit tougher for B2B. You pretty much have two options. You have number one, targeting a hashtag of an event. So for instance, if you're trying to target marketers, uh, you can go find a whole bunch of marketing conferences and then 
say anyone who used this hashtag, it's likely that they're interested in marketing. So we'll, you know, we'll show it to them. And that can be one way of targeting. The other is followers of an industry evangelist. And so if you had something like, uh, you know, since you're in content marketing, I think this example will, will land right. Uh, if you're trying to reach people who are in SEO or content marketing, how about the people who follow Rand Fishkin? Right. Um, could be a good way of, of going about that. So, um, so I think those are the, the two good ways to, to target for B2B on Twitter. And the nice thing is just like Facebook, Twitter ads are pretty cheap. Um, so then you go over to LinkedIn where the, the click cost is probably five to eight times more. So it's much more expensive, but you now get much, much better targeting and the ability to reach near 100% of of everyone across the the United States or even across the globe who has a certain job title or certain skills. And so the scalability is there. Um, you're going to pay more, but what you get is this insanely tight targeting and the knowledge that when they are there on LinkedIn, they're either thinking about their job or their career. And so they're in the right B2B mindset. Whereas on Facebook, you might be competing for, you know, cat videos. <laughs> Which we all know that's that's tough competition. I uh, <laughs> so tough. That's I'm glad you brought that up because I've always thought about that. Like, you might be able to reach people on Facebook, and I think this is just a tough thing for brands overall. But like you said, if it doesn't kind of like seamlessly flow with like the kind of personal content they're expecting on Facebook, it might not resonate as well as like you said on LinkedIn, where you're kind of on there thinking in the terms of work and networking and you know learning more about a certain topic. Exactly. And we've actually seen this in tests that we've run. We found our conversion rate to oftentimes be twice that of Facebook uh, on LinkedIn. And I, I would say we're still talking to the same audiences. It's still the same piece of content. And so I think it, it really comes down to their mindset. Um, so, yeah, I, I think totally fine to start with one and and move into another test your way around, because, you know, like we said, the, 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 it's the same person. Everyone's on Facebook. Uh, pretty much every professional's on LinkedIn. So if you can find them on both, great. It's money well spent. Right. So it makes total sense how effective it can be for B2B. Is there a value for B2C? Uh, because the click cost is so high, you'd have to have a really high customer value for B2C to really work. So I haven't seen a whole lot of really good examples of this, but um, I have seen brands like Gilt doing advertising on, on LinkedIn. And um, you know, I'd love to see back behind that dashboard and see how, <laughs> how that works. Uh, but from, from what I see, I mean, when you're targeting consumers, there's so much better targeting on both Facebook and Twitter that I probably wouldn't even consider, consider it, but maybe some of you listening are, you know, at really high lifetime value B2C companies, then yeah, it might make sense. Yeah. I was just curious because it does seem like it'd be a little tricky to strategize that, but I was wondering if you'd seen anything interesting. So back to content, because I'm biased and I love content. Um, <laughs> you talk about the fact that you need good content in order to attract their attention in the first place through the ads. What should people keep in mind when creating that type of content? Like what type of content is going to be the best poise for an ad? So first of all, I'll punctuate this next point by saying that the content that you choose to promote will make all the difference. And the example I'll use is, you know, we had a, a, a client a while back who they were running six different offers and none of them were super good, but we were, you know, fighting tooth and nail testing 
rapidly, iteratively testing like headlines and intros and images, just trying to get little like five to 15% gains in our performance. And then they came out with one piece and, and I won't, I won't share the entire name of the piece, but it was the definitive guide to blank. It was like their something in their, in their topic. And that performed so well overnight. I mean, we, we could have put spelling errors in the ads. We could have put the poop emoji. You know, <laughs> we, we could have done anything to like sabotage these ads. And still, because the offer was intrinsically interesting, it solved a problem. It was authoritative. Um, it, it was exactly what the customers wanted to know that just, it, dropped our cost per lead in like a fifth and it lived for a solid four or five months before fatiguing. So yeah, I'll just punctuate by saying the content you choose is incredibly important. And I think it has to go one of two ways. Either it solves a really big pain that they feel in their own, uh, in their own job position career, uh, or it educates them on something that, that they're really curious about. So, I mean, you, obviously you're in content, you probably have a better idea on this than I do. So I'd love to hear what your opinion is. Yeah, it's, it's funny because we have a similar strategy for blog content. Find out what the most common questions are that people in the industry have, answer those questions. Sometimes a lot of content that's out there just isn't thorough or isn't explained very clearly or isn't comprehensive. And providing that, like like that title you just said, the, you know, the ultimate guide or the comprehensive guide, that's why it attracts people's attention because they haven't found that yet. But yeah, it seems like the same principles carry over for engaging content overall. It's like, uh, the other thing I've noticed is people want to either be really helped and think that you're there to assist them or they want to see themselves in the content, if that makes sense. Like, they want to see how they fit into it, what it means for them. Always thinking that you're not just, like, projecting content out there. Like, your message is really aimed at one person. Kind of helps to refine your message. Like, the, the ideal person reading it, how are you helping them? How are you providing value to them? Oh, that is beautiful. I could not have said it better myself. <laughs> <laughs> Don't flatter me. <laughs> I'm going to steal that for my next uh, presentation. Thank you. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> Well, that's, yeah, that's really helpful and really interesting. So once you have that content, what is the next step in like actually creating the ad itself? Like how do you optimize the ad to get people to click on it? So I don't know if this is going to be divisive or not, but I really feel like the ad part of it is the easiest part. I mean, you do, uh, I love this acronym called AMMO and it stands for audience message and offer. And so what you want to do is any social campaign that you put together, you want to bring your AMMO and um, your audience is pretty easy to figure out. I mean, you know, intrinsically who your customer is going to be, um, your, your message, well, we just talked about offers. So, um, you know, what type of content that you're going to run and your content team is going to be working really hard to put that out and put together something nice. So when you come to putting together that message, it really is as easy as just looking at the landing page that's pitching the content and distilling it down. So I feel like, especially with LinkedIn, you get this hundred and they give you 150 characters. I keep it to 128 uh, characters for an intro. And then you get like a 55 character headline. And then you get an image that's 1200 pixels by 627. And so those three elements, the image doesn't have to be anything special. It just has to stand out and you can distill down, you know, your intro and your headline from the landing page and essentially just come up with things like make sure there's a call to action in there and make sure it describes the problem that people are going to side with. And I don't know, I can, I can teach interns how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> 
I love divisive opinions. I feel like, uh, again, I'm biased, so I'm always going to think the content's the most important part. But it's good to know that you don't really have to obsess over the ad itself, and that hopefully if you if you are able to at least convey the message, like you're saying, I mean, don't just like slop anything on there, but having the essence of the problem you're trying to solve and the call to action and some kind of a graphic that's going to catch the attention seems to be able to do the trick, huh? Yeah. And then also I would say I have a lot of clients who will kind of fret over the language of the ad a lot and will go through several iterations and they want to make sure it's perfect. But because it's probably the least important part of, of actually what's happening there, um, I would say don't be afraid to test things. If, if you're worried about using the word free because you feel like it, it cheapens the brand and you want to try complimentary instead, like put them both out there. Don't worry about the few thousand people that they're going to see that variation. Just let the data talk. I was just going to ask, when it comes to testing, since it's not as important, I guess, do you do a little bit of testing in terms of language and image? And then maybe like, at what point do you decide maybe it's just the content and we need to test actually advertising something different? Yeah, well, we know that we can cause performance to sway by usually five to 15% by just changing the ad copy, finding a new image, uh, call out a different motivation in your ad. I mean, you can do this kind of stuff, but the content, like in that example I shared before, uh, can make a night and day difference. It can you know, sway your cost per lead by three or four times. Um, so what we'll do is we'll try launching an A-B test of an ad and uh, and if both variations don't do very well, we'll test another variation. And if that doesn't perform well, then we switch content. So at that point, we've tested four separate messages and said, hey, obviously this message isn't doing amazing um, after four variations. It's probably the content. Let's test something, you know, a whole different offer here. So that's kind of how we think through it. Right. That makes sense. And it seems like Maybe you can use, if you were already doing your initial testing, anything preliminary on Facebook or Twitter, that that's kind of the level at which you could be testing that sort of thing, like the wording and the images. That that probably would transfer over. Oh, I sure think so. And obviously, there are some small variations that we've seen in what people will put up with. Like on LinkedIn, we've tried getting maybe like putting a double entendre in there or, uh, or maybe being... Um, being a little bit more cloak and dagger, a little bit more uh, clever with our, our speech. And mm-hmm. on LinkedIn, we just can't get people to interact with it. You, just, you really have to come out right with it. Whereas on Facebook, we've found that you can be a little bit more playful. But otherwise, yeah, if someone is motivated by becoming the hero, they're going to be like that on both networks. If they're motivated out of fear, then they're going to be like that on both networks. Right. No, that's... This is all, again, like I said, it's all really interesting to me how it all works together because I haven't been in the weeds doing it. So I'm finding all this fascinating. In a, <laughs> in a broader sense, you said you started the company three years ago? Yeah, yeah. It's been about three and a half now. Have you seen that anything, has it been consistent, all these principles, has, or has there been like trending changes or has LinkedIn kind of thrown new things into the mix? Like, I'm just kind of curious about how things have evolved over time. Yeah, I mean the platform of LinkedIn ads has ma- has been uh, like a rocket ship the last little while. They're making changes so quickly, which was great. Uh, I remember early on when I was using LinkedIn ads at a previous company, uh, they were showing me mockups of of the the new ad platform, saying that this was coming out, and it wasn't till like two and a half years later that we got it. But um, but now we're seeing like four, five, six really big features come out every every year. So I'm really excited about the pace that they're delivering things. The principles tend to stay the same, like how users interact and uh, and what they like, like that kind of stuff tends to you know kind of live through all that. But then we just get additional ways of um, 
showing that ad to the user and some additional controls on you know how we tweak it and how we play with it and how it gets charged. So I, I don't know if that answers your question, but uh, I'm pretty excited about the pace of change. All right, no, it totally does. I know it's kind of like a big nebulous question. Um, <laughs> what do you think, with that being said, that there have been a lot of changes, like what do you think might be coming soon or might be in store? Ooh, uh, this is a dangerous question because uh, we are LinkedIn partners and we uh, do have access to the roadmap. Okay. So if I share something that I think is coming out, it probably just is, and I might get in trouble for it. Gotcha. Um, okay, I take it back. <laughs> Definitely don't want but, to get you in trouble with LinkedIn. <laughs> but what I will share, because I think this one's pretty public, um, Facebook and Twitter ads and YouTube ads have done really well with video for a long time. And we just recently saw LinkedIn come out with video on the personal profile side. Uh, some people are reporting seeing video on the company page as well. So I don't think it's a far reach to say that we might see video ads come out here in the next, uh, say, couple months. Um, so anyway, that's the one hint I'll, I'll give, and I'm actually pretty excited about that one. Yeah, I actually just saw a post, I don't even remember who it was, on my own LinkedIn. She had never done a video before, and she was basically just like, I know how important this is and trying it out but it wasn't paid it was organic but i know how much all the social sites have been emphasizing it even in an organic way like facebook prioritizing live over just recorded videos um do you have any thoughts on like the type of video i know this doesn't come in the form of ads yet but maybe just in general that is the most engaging like I do find a lot of value, or I seem, as a consumer, I, I seem to like the concept of live. It feels a little more personal, a little more genuine. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, as far as I know, LinkedIn isn't planning live, at least on, on the ad side. Um, but as a consumer, I sure love the concept of wherever my tribe is, uh, I want to be able to, to do things both live and with video and with audio and with text. Um, so I, I really hope that that's something on the horizon. Um, if you follow me on any of the networks, you'll know that I don't do a lot of live video, but I'm sure sitting here saying, yeah, that'd be cool if I did. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I haven't really done any of it either. I feel like it's pretty intimidating for people. <laughs> I, I'm just in the foray of using my voice on audio and like having to edit my podcast and listening to my voice all the time has been an interesting transition. <laughs> so I think no uh, like seeing yourself, they're... right. <laughs> I think seeing yourself is a whole other hurdle to jump over. Oh, um, yeah. Do you know who Amy Porterfield is? No. Okay, so she has a podcast, uh, and she just spoke at uh, Social Media Marketing World that I just got back from here a little while ago, too. Um, and she she had a really good podcast about how you know she talks about Facebook ads a lot, and uh, and live video is really important. But she she shared how her body image uh, is something that kept her from video, and it was a, a really significant hurdle to get over. Of hey, I just have to get out and record, regardless of whether or not I like the way I look. Uh, and so I, I feel the same way. I feel like video is that hurdle. Not only do you have to listen to your voice that no one likes the sound of their own voice, but then you have to you know, be okay with the way you look. And I'm sure that's a hurdle for other people because it even is for me. Yeah. And it's once you're able to kind of get over that, it's almost like practicing what you preach, right? Because it's like we are people. Like you're, you're thinking, I know as a marketer, I'm always telling people you're communicating with other people. You're not just communicating with like Twitter handles or, you know, email addresses. There's always people on the other side and through video or audio or whatever it is, communication, blog posts, whatever, it's, you're showing that you are a person and it's just so much easier to relate to when people are able to make that connection. And obviously they know you're a person, but in a more 
kind of like visceral way they're able to see and hear you. Exactly. And I think they're more interested in, in, and I guess more receptive to content when they know, like, and trust the person who's purveying it. And there's just no quicker way to getting someone to, to get to know you and build a relationship with you than video. I mean, you can see someone's facial expressions. You can uh, hear the tone of their voice. And it's, I mean, if you have good content, like, don't worry if you've got a face for radio like I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm really interested to see how video evolves over LinkedIn. So that'll be cool to check out. Um, so we only have a couple minutes left. The lo- what I like to end on sometimes is basically just asking if anybody's listening and they're thinking, okay, I'm going to go try LinkedIn ads for the first time. Like, what do you, what are your like one or two top tips you give to people new to this? Ooh, I've actually got a really good one on this one. Um, for a long time, I'd say probably the first two years we were in business, people would come to us because they wanted to try out LinkedIn ads, but we ended up being too expensive for them or they didn't have budget for management. And so what we did is we put together this checklist and it's the eight items that you need in order to start advertising on LinkedIn because there is a pretty significant learning curve and I wanted to be able to give this out for free. So anyone listening who wants to try LinkedIn ads out without help, um, go to B2Linked, that's the letter B, the number two, and then the word linked.com forward slash checklist. And if you go there, you can download our free checklist. It's exactly the same checklist that we walk uh, all of our new clients through. And that should give you a really good idea of how to get advertising. And of course, once you're up, uh, if things aren't going the way you want and you feel like you're you're lacking, absolutely feel free to bring you know help like us in. Uh, but if you're a do-it-yourselfer kind of like I am, you know, I, I'm cheering you on. I encourage you, you know, give it a shot. That's awesome. I'll also add that link to the show notes for this episode so people can get to it. That sounds like a great resource. Awesome. Yes. Click away. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, AJ. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. Hey, thanks, Amanda. You have a great rest of your week. Thanks. You too. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, click subscribe. Don't leave me with the realization that I'm talking to no one. And please rate and review on iTunes so I can keep making this podcast better and your lives easier. Take care.